There are so many students struggling in schools right now. I was actually talking to a counselor today that it is its third quarter and all of a sudden we are getting all these referrals from gen ed teachers that about all these kids that they're so concerned about, they're so worried about. And those those papers were those concern papers were not we couldn't get teachers to fill them out at the beginning of the school year. And it didn't really make sense until we kind of sat down and we analyzed it today. So first semester, first quarter of first semester, everything was brand new. Uh, We were back from, you know, the pandemic and we were in person and I mean, everybody was just kind of like, yeah, the kids are behind. We understand that. We expect it. They just missed an entire quarter of learning. Like, yes, of course they're behind. And so teachers didn't fill out the the concern forms. And then I think second quarter that we were on the rise, there were a whole bunch of extra cases with COVID and we were kind of all just kind of waiting for that call out of, all right, we're shutting down for however long and going back to, you know, distance learning. But now it's third quarter. It's the end of third quarter. And with the announcement that we're definitely doing state testing this year, all of a sudden teachers are looking at their numbers and going, oh my goodness, these kids are not ready for the state test right now. And they're looking at their list of kids that they're probably going to have to retain because, you know, you have to grade based on standards and all that good stuff. And we are getting a massive number of statement of concerns. And so I kind of look at the data. I'm a data girl. If you've listened to previous podcasts or if you've checked out the the website, uh, teachingstrugglinglearners.com. Um, I'm super into data. I like, I like it. I know that's weird, but I do. And according to the NAEP, uh, only about 40% of students are reading on grade level in fourth or eighth grade. So the number of concern sheets that we're getting actually kind of makes sense if you look at that old NAEP data. But when you think about it, That means that students are overwhelmingly working below where they're statistically or according to, you know, the the national standards where they're supposed to be. And that impacts success in school and after school. So taking out the whole, you know, pandemic teaching and all that stuff before all that, because the NAEP data is from before the pandemic. We were not, we had an awful lot of kids who've been struggling for a very, very long time, about 60%, if you look look straight at the numbers. That's a problem, right? That's concerning, right? So today, I want to talk about what we can do about it, start talking about it, really. And my focus today is why is it so important? Why do we keep talking about having to drill down to the most basic skill deficit 
and starting there for remediation. What does it even mean to, to drill down? We, we talk about this. We say this phrase all the time when we're in meetings and we're, we're looking at the data. What does that even mean? That's what we're going to talk about today. Hi, I'm Jessica Curtis of Teaching Struggling Learners. I'm a boy mom and a veteran teacher. You're listening to the Reaching Struggling Learners podcast, where we talk all about helping students succeed academically, socially, and behaviorally. Thank you so much for tuning in. My kids got all of these Lego sets for Christmas, and I know Christmas was months ago and everything, but legit, my house is just covered right now in Legos. Like, it's not safe to walk barefoot in my house. And my six-year-old is great at building these sets. Like, most of the time, he dives right in, and he just follows the directions straight through, starts at page one, and he is able to build these really, honestly, impressive things, you know, whatever the instructions are. Because he loves building so much, we also got him another set of building things. And I had one as a kid, it was like called an erector set, I think. It has actual nuts and bolts and, you know, pieces that can be put together and you can make little motors and it's actually, it's pretty complicated. And you can make cars or helicopters and just all sorts of little things are really cool. But for some reason, when my son opened that set up, he just kind of started trying to build from the middle of the directions. He just kind of skipped over the basic, the you know, the step one, step two stuff and got really, really, really frustrated when the pieces he was trying to put together didn't go together right or they broke apart or something wasn't working. And when I asked him why he started in the middle, he said that all the other steps, they were just too easy. He knew how to do that. He knew how to put all those together. He didn't need di directions for that. It was truly shocking to him that he couldn't just skip over those parts, those really easy stuff, those easy parts to get to the fun stuff, the stuff that he thought was going to be like the best part. So he was super frustrated with me when I, being, you know, super mom that I am, made him take all of the pieces apart and start over at the beginning. But you know what? Because he actually had the foundations of the project he was working on, the whole thing came together so much easier and in a whole lot less time, you know, than I'd hoped because I was really hoping it would take longer so I could finish my coffee in peace. No, no, not today, mommy, that is. That was not a thing. So anyway, that whole like pre-coffee frustrating experience really came to my mind when I sat down to really work on this podcast because it's, it's just like us when we start working on skill deficits with our students. We look at our students who are struggling with what they're seeing, what we're seeing right now in class, and we try to make it work right now. And that might work in the short term, but the minute we start adding in more advanced levels to their learning, we start building a little more, it all far, falls apart again. 
That's because we basically put a Band-Aid on the problem, we started in the middle of the directions, and instead of fixing the root of the problem, that foundational skill set, we went to the middle, middle of the instructions. We tried to put in an extra nut or bolt here or there to make it all fit, but in the end, that's not going to serve the kid the way that we really need it to. So just like when my son couldn't put together this super complicated car because he didn't have the basic pieces put together, our students can't build good, solid understanding if they don't have those underlying skills to build upon. When we keep trying to fix the grade level struggles, that surface level stuff that we're seeing every day, we actually prevent the students from making real sustainable progress. We're taking time that could be used fixing the the skill deficits, those basic, even foundational. I think it was my second podcast episode when when I compared learning to building a house. All those foundational skills, those very, very basic ground level things, instead of fixing those issues and using it, Instead, we're trying to help the kids who are already behind and keeping up, just focusing on keeping up, not fixing the actual problems. So that process of just focusing on the grade level rather than the student's skill level or skill deficit is why interventions are actually like pulling teeth for our students and teachers. And a lot of times we're not seeing as much progress as we really could. Those groups, especially in older grades, I mean, let's be honest, they're kind of torturous, aren't they? The kids know that what progress they're making is at a super snail's pace, and the teachers, they're constantly fighting a losing battle with time. If we want to see exponential progress for our students, progress that impacts the entire subject area, not just the one specific topic being covered in real time, We have to get down, we have to drill down to the most basic skill set that is a deficit. So what does that mean to drill down? It means literally, if a student is struggling in comprehension, we look at it, are they actually only struggling in comprehension or is something causing that struggle in comprehension? Maybe it's fluency. If a student is struggling in fluency, What's causing that struggle? Is it that they don't know their sight words? Is it that they can't decode yet? If it's decoding, why can't they? Maybe they don't know all their letter sounds. Maybe they're dyslexic and they're struggling with keeping those letters on the page. Who knows? But getting down to those basic, basic skills And it doesn't matter if the student is in third grade or 12th grade, if they don't know their basic letter sounds, or if they can't identify the different phonemes in a word, in a spoken word, it impacts everything that they're trying to do, every more advanced skill above that one. So for example, I'll go with math, because again, I know my math people would get we get kind of lost there. We get forgotten when we're talking about progress monitoring and and RTI and MTSS and all that. So in math, students who struggle with basic fact fluency, 
they struggle with just about everything else, right? They struggle with word problems and equations and money calculations and application problems all the way up through algebra and geometry and all my, my high school people are ripping their hair out. Honestly, they're, they're losing their minds because the students in algebra and geometry are struggling because they don't have their basic fact fluency down. So when we improve a student's basic math fact fluency, their grades in their grade level math class almost immediately improve. A change that doesn't just happen when we just try to work on the grade level information. Instead, when we drill down to those basic skill deficits. I've done a lot of tutoring over the years. I've worked with kids in high school where they're struggling in the algebra and the geometry and the college algebra stuff. And the fact is, when I focus on just tutoring the topic that's in the class, okay, yeah, they might pass the test or the quiz, but they don't truly understand it. And so they don't pass the state test or the final exam or those kinds of things because they don't truly understand the underlying concepts. But when we give them the foundational skills and teach them the basic math fact fluency and they get good at that, then they can build on that information and really start to understand the upper level processes. So... The same is true for reading, by the way. When students are taught about prefix and suffixes, their vocabulary improves, as does their comprehension. Their writing almost immediately improves, by the way. That time, working on those basic skills, the ones that we kind of go, oh, that's too easy for our high schooler, that's too easy for our fifth grader. Those skills, when we get better at those skills, the whole, the whole shebang gets better. Every piece of that student's learning is improved. I have had a lot of teachers and parents tell me that there's no way that their student will get that basic skill. We just have to move on. Have we heard that? Have we felt it? I felt it. But I respectfully disagree. Over the years, I have taught hundreds of students how to read and to do basic math. And I have yet to find a student that honestly can't learn the skill. Just students who we hadn't presented the skill in a way that they understood yet. By changing up how I presented or had them practice the skill or even repeat it back to me or the manipulatives that I used, all of my students have eventually gotten it. Was it easy? Heck no. Most of the time, I was ready to give up right before they finally figured it out. Most of the time, I thought I was losing my mind. So no, it really, it's not easy. It's rarely easy for me. But sometimes, you just hit on that one thing that makes it click for a student, and you get to watch the magic happen with relatively little effort. Most of the time it takes trying one way, revamping it, trying something else, trying something else again, reworking it, who knows how long. But as long as we keep trying, 
as long as we keep going back to bat for those kids, if, as long as we keep going back to the drawing board, however you want to say it, the students are going to make progress. That's something that I truly believe and have believed since I began teaching more than a decade ago. I truly, truly believe that the only difference between a student who can and a student who can't is their exposure to the skill in a way that the student can understand and internalize. The further from our learning mode that the, te- the student is, the more difficult it is for us, teachers, to find a way to teach that skill in a way that the student understands. So for example, if you're a visual or an auditory learner, but your student is all about the kinesthetic, it's hard. It's hard to branch out of our own comfort zones to meet that kiddo where they are. But when we branch out, when we meet them where they are and where their strengths are, oh my goodness, it is absolutely amazing how quickly they can pick up on certain things. That's why I always encourage teachers who are very different in their styles to team up and share students. Maybe my way of presenting information works for a few of my students, but my friend down the hall teaches in a completely different way, and that makes it just click for a few of my other students. We all have those, those poor teachers in our buildings who are just really, really good with behaviors. Am I right? And admin pile the behaviors in those rooms. I mean, honestly, how many memes are there for that one? I don't think that's the answer at all. But the concept isn't completely off. Now, don't, you know, before you start throwing rocks at me, hear me out. I'm really good with behaviors in my classroom up to a certain point. So balance the behaviors so that I can help as many students as I can while still getting to teach. That's a good idea. And maybe allow me to teach some of my colleagues how to work with behaviors, work with some of these students more effectively so that we can share the wealth, right? And I think maybe we need to do the same thing with academics. Maybe we could think outside the box and have students who aren't making progress with one teaching style Get some exposure with a different style and see if maybe that helps. Whatever ways that we can work it out, the one thing that we need to stop doing is wasting student time and teacher time, by the way, just working on grade level material. Students need to conquer the basic skill deficits if they're going to actually close achievement gaps. Not maintain them, not keep them from getting any smaller, but actually close those gaps. So let's get down to those basics. What about those kids that are, they're just, they're so far below grade level? Well, in the next couple weeks, I am going to be going in depth on that topic. I'm actually super excited because the next several episodes are going to be a series in which I'm going to take you through several different strategies to help students on a whole bunch of different skills at different levels. 
I'm going to try to really bridge that gap from those super basic skills, the ones that we're kind of thinking, how in the world is that actually going to impact where the kids are right now, to where they are, to the grade level struggles and what they're doing right now and how it can help them. So yeah, super excited to start helping teachers get some real success in the classroom. I really do hope you join me in this because I think I think it's going to be helpful. So thank you so much for listening to the Reaching Struggling Learners podcast. It's been episode number 40. Until next time, may your coffee be strong, your small groups actually small, and your prep time uninterrupted. <laughs>